<clears throat> Today is Tuesday the 10th of May 2022 and uh, this evening we're going to read from and comment on a text called The Way of Zazen. This is uh, by a Rindo Fujimoto Roshi. It's translated by Tetsuya Inoue Jushokuku and Yoshihiko Tanigawa. Um, Rindo Fujimoto Roshi um, trained at Hoshinji under Sogaku Harada Roshi, um, Roshi Kaplow's first uh, main teacher. Um, and then after Harada Roshi passed away, he continued his studies with Toen Ida and succeeded him as a master of Shorinji Temple. So this, this um, his teaching is, is coming from down through um, our lineage, at least in part. Um, and this text was was um, was published in a booklet in, by the Cambridge Buddhist Association in 1961. And um, I found out about this or got a copy of this from um, James Ford, who is a um, an influential Zen teacher. I think he might be semi-retired now. Um, was also a Unitarian minister, and he he this was one of the first descriptions of practice that he he read, and he was very grateful to have um, encountered it. It's a it's a kind of introductory text, um, but it's it's. Um, always good to, to go back to basics occasionally and also to hear these, these introductions from, from uh, different people. Often something will strike us in a different way, in a helpful way. The, the um, text is, is not very long but we may not um, get all the way through it tonight. I'll be skipping around a bit. He says, meditation, dhyana, in other words, chan or zen, is as old as Buddhism itself. The Indian founder, Gautama Shakyamuni, faced the question of suffering and death in this way after failing to find satisfaction in philosophic inquiry, asceticism, or ritual. Meditation, the precepts, charity, and reverence for all interrelated and interdependent forms of life constitute the foundation of Buddhism. This word charity was probably um, the Japanese equivalent of dana, so we would say generosity here. So zazen, ethical behavior, generosity or dana, and 
Um, the, f the last of the things that he lists here, reverence for all interrelated and interdependent forms of life. This reverence covers both the first precept of not to kill and our bodhisattvic vows, reverence and care for all and all forms of life. So he says these different aspects constitute the foundation of Buddhism, but then adds that um, though human frailty and institutional rigidity have often combined to reduce these ideals and practices to empty formalism. And he talks a little bit more about this later. All Buddhist art and philosophy of any stature have sprung from the realization and harmony of these vital aspects. Whenever Buddhism has fallen too deeply into pedantry or aestheticism, a return to the fundamentals has rerouted the tradition in the realm of ultimate concern where it belongs. Ultimate concern, in other words, the great matter of birth and death. And we, we can understand uh, Zen as being um, coming out of a reaction to um, rigidity and, and formalism within Buddhism. Indian dhyana masters gathered disciples around them in China long before the formal establishment of the Chan sect. <coughs> in the Japanese Tendai sect of Buddhism, Meditation was expected of monks, as in, and as in China, Zen developed into a separate entity only after the Tendai had become very worldly. This was the case around the time of, of, of Master Dogen. And, and not only Zen grew up as a reaction to the, this, but also Pure Land and um, Nichiren. Different meat movements, which um, claim to to really go back to the essence of Buddhism. In the Tang period, Taoism and Buddhism were fused after many centuries of competition, amid the alternating favor of successive emperors. The resulting burst of vitality expressed itself in a very Chinese way respect for and joy in work and simple living. This is this really gets to the to the um, down to earth practical nature of our tradition. Respect for and joy in work and simple living. I think this is something that, that um, resonates with, with New Zealand values as well. In America and Europe, a Taoistically inclined Zen has aroused considerable interest and has been interpreted in a rather humanistic light 
popular Western Zen has something for everyone, makes no demands of its enthusiasts, and offers religion without religion, as well as an admirable effort to appreciate life just as it is. This non-Buddhist Zen fits easily and gently into a busy and prosperous culture which attributes little value to anything that does not produce visible and immediate utility with the least possible effort. Um, I have to remember that this was written around 1960, so it's probably um, uh, a bit of a dig at the, the, the Zen that um, Alan Watts was introducing to people. Um, he then adds, it cannot be denied that it offers something to Puritans who are weary of misdirected crusades and utopian moralizing and who cannot find any meaning or pleasure in the traditional liturgy or dogma of, of Judaic or Christian orthodoxy. Um, Alan Watts was himself a, a uh, an Anglican, got himself ordained as an Anglican minister. Um, this this characteristic of characterization of a of a non-Buddhist Zen, um, I think, corresponds more or less to. Um, uh, Harada Sogaku's um, discussion of uh, Bompu Zen in the, in the Three Pillars of Zen. He says, um, and he's describing different types, but this is the first one. Bampu Zen, being free from any philosophical or religious content, is for anybody and everybody. It is a Zen-based, practiced purely in the belief that it can improve both physical and mental health. Since it can almost certainly have no ill effects, anyone can undertake it, whatever religious beliefs they happen to hold, or if they hold none at all. Bompu Zen is bound to eliminate sickness of a psychosomatic nature and to improve the health generally. Through the practice of Bompu Zen, you can learn to concentrate and control your mind. It never occurs to most people to try to control their minds, and unfortunately this basic training is left out of contemporary education, not being part of what is called the acquisition of knowledge. Yet without it, we learn Yet, without it, what we learn is difficult to retain because we learn it improperly, wasting much energy in the process. Indeed, we are virtually crippled unless we can know how to restrain our thoughts and concentrate our minds. Furthermore, by practicing this very excellent mode of mind training, you will find yourself increasingly able to resist temptations to which you had pre previously succumbed and to sever attachments which had long held you in bondage. An enrichment of personality and a strengthening of character inevitably follow since the three basic elements of mind, 
that is, intellect, feeling, and will, develop harmoniously. The quietest sitting practiced in Confucianism seems to have stressed mainly these effects of mind concentration. However, the fact remains that Bonpu Zen, although far more beneficial for the cultivation of the mind than the reading of countless books on ethics and philosophy, is unable to resolve the fundamental problem of human existence and one's relation to the universe. Why? Because it cannot pierce the ordinary person's basic delusion of himself or herself as distinctly other than the universe. Um, The positive aspect of this of this ordinary Zen or Bompu Zen um, shouldn't be overlooked. That really, really can be beneficial to many people. Um, it's just that we can go further. We can we can get to the root of our suffering, which um, just concentrating and calming uh, the mind, con controlling it as much as we can, um, don't reach that far. But I think he, he um, quite deftly sums up what the attraction of um, Zen was when it first was introduced in the 1950s to Western culture. Um, uh, a religion without religion. And this is, this is still something that attracts people to Zen. Um, some, when they come here, find um, that they're looking for something more secular than is offered. But it, it remains true that, that Buddhism sees the different, um, the Zen sees the different, uh, more religious aspect of its practice as being um, skillful means. not dogmas that have to be adhered to. Another type of non-Buddhist Zen which has aroused popular interest in the West is a yoga type of concentration practiced by Japanese artists, swordsmen, and others who wish mastery of their skills. This training requires many years of experience under a good teacher in Japan. Here we include all the different the different Japanese arts that have been deeply influenced by uh, Zen training um, and who uh, base their um, craft on um, concentration. Meditation, the, the discipline practiced by most of the ancestors both before and after enlightenment has never been popular in any Buddhist country. That's an interesting point. This, this practice that we do, he says, has never been popular in any Buddhist country. And so it's a reminder that um, it's a steep path.
But he goes on to say that, um, be this as it may, uh, being a steep path, nevertheless, um, people of uh, intellectuals and artists and many from different walks of life um, have taken it up and that um, meditation and awakening have influenced um, some cultures and I think we can in include um, Western cultures in this now um, have, have influenced different cultures all out of proportion to the number of people who practice. He says, Buddhist symbols as well as the spirit of the Buddhist ethic are expressions of the founder's enlightenment experience without which the essential character of his teaching would have been lost long ago in a sea of abstruse pedantry and cultural transformations of complex and ambiguous nature. The Buddhist tradition embodies the wealth of diversely expressed moral and metaphysical insights that have arisen from the interaction of meditation with widely varying historical and geographical conditions. And this, this is a process that that continues and that we're, we're all a part of. Where uncorrupted by institutional and other abuses, Buddhism has retained its integrity and vitality as a result of its own particular interpretation and exercise of samadhi, making the founder's essential teaching available to those in very primitive as well as sophisticated cultures, in societies active and outgoing, as well as static and contemplative. I'm not sure here what he, to whom he is referring when he says um, uh, available to in very primitive as well as, as sophisticated cultures, unless he's perhaps regarding um, America as a primitive culture. I don't know. But he, he points here to these two, these two sides of, of um, Zen, that it's appealing both into the active and outgoing because of its dynamism, as well as static and contemplative. Uh, we could relate these two aspects to the two kinds of samadhi. These are um, put forth by uh, Sikada, uh, one of the early um, writers in English about Zen, another Japanese master. Uh, and he talked about absolute samadhi and positive samadhi. The, positive, the absolute samadhi being the samadhi we experience in stillness and positive samadhi that um, we can experience through our um, becoming one with our activities. It, in Mahayana or Northern Buddhism, the enlightenment experienced after samadhi has been transcended. Uh, the, so 
Let me say that again. The enlightenment experienced after samadhi has been transcended permits great flexibility of expression. Underlying this flexibility is a unity which has affirmed the best in the different cultures where it has taken root. Meditation is to Buddhism what prayer is to Christianity. Without meditation or prayer, a religion is simply one among many systems of concepts and convictions to be manipulated in accord with current taste and practical concerns. And we certainly see this um, still where there, there's a certain amount of armchair Zen um, that goes on. But we have to remind ourselves that even if we, we can, can say that we're practicing mat Zen rather than armchair Zen, we also have to be sure that we, we get up off our mats and serve as well. Serve society, respond to suffering, He gives examples of, of um, this kind of service. Um, mentioning monks and lay people who have been social reformers, reformers um, diplomats, educators, who have established hospitals and orphanages and um, refuges for the infirm and aged. Perhaps the, the earliest, one of the most well-known examples of this kind of active engagement um, would be Ashoka, the, the Buddhist uh, emperor who uh, flourished um, a few hundred years after the time of the Buddha. And... Um, undertook an extremely ambitious program of social reform based on Buddhist principles. The other, another example he gives is of, is of the uh, 17th century Japanese monk Tetsugen, who died with several of his disciples um, after um, he, they caught a disease while um, caring for the poor during a, fa a famine. He goes on, whatever advantages, material or psychological, of such altruistic activities, Buddhism is first, first and foremost a spiritual orientation and discipline. The dedicated contemplative whose life is devoted to meditation and to instruction of its discipline is the heart and life bulb of their religion. The dedicated contemplative. That's us, really, now. We devote our, our lives to this discipline, and we share it with others. 
an awakening to what has been called cosmic consciousness, an understanding and acceptance, acquiescence is not implied of karma, the good or evil circumstances of one's own as well as others' attitudes and actions, is the foundation on which Buddhist compassion and altruism rest. It is as an end in itself, altruism towards family, race, or even species is not the, in the Buddhist spirit, and material and physical well-being are not the Buddhist summum bonum of life. I think he, what he's talking about here is, is altruism without that, that mind training aspect of, of working towards enlightenment. Traditional um, altar, Buddha has Buddha at the at the in the middle, and uh, Manjushri and Samantabhadra on either side. Manjushri, of course, for wisdom, this delusion cutting sword, and Samantabhadra, uh, skillful means, compassionate action in the world. I think I've, I've probably read this to um, people before, but um, one of the best formulations um, of the relationship of, of um, these two, wisdom and compassion, um, comes from the Ch Chinese descendant of Master Sheng Yin, Guo Gu. He says, We call the essence of Buddha nature wisdom and its function, compassion. These are not two separate things. Wisdom and compassion are not even the two wings of a bird. They are the same thing from different perspectives. So while we can say that altruism isn't an end in itself in, in Zen, um, a response to suffering that comes out of uh, wisdom is um, essential in in truly Buddhist practice. He says, "Spiritual and material." Sorry, material and physical well-being are not the Buddhism, Buddhist summum and bonum of life. A true, a true um, response to to suffering doesn't just address this, the physical needs, the material needs, but also um, the the possibility of awakening. However, practice and insight can only find expression in the physical and historical. Buddhist samadhi is not a retreat or escape from the world. 
the Indian prince who founded Buddhism renounced the temptation to use samadhi for his own pleasure and comfort and spent 45 years sharing his experience with others. The Christ died for mankind. The Buddha lived for his fellow beings. After experiencing the dark night of the soul, the Buddha died and was reborn under the Bodhi tree, and his life after this resurrection is as important to Buddhists as Christ's death and resurrection are to Christians. One of the prevailing misconceptions about Zen among Japanese, young Japanese as well as Westerners, is that Zen people discipline themselves to become a kind of supermen who are free to disregard the Buddhist precepts as well as all convention and consideration for others. Rinzai Zen was the favoured religion of the samurai for whom flexibility to act according to circumstances was more important than consistency of abstract principles. Nevertheless, this did not involve the kind of freedom that many moderns have in mind. It is important for Western Buddhists to avoid self-righteousness, asceticism for its own sake, as well as blind, unbending moralism. On the other hand, an equal hindrance to Buddhist practice is the temptation to justify the convenient and congenial as enlightened freedom. He's sort of um, skirting around this a little bit, um, but the reference to the samurai um, is probably, has, he probably has in mind the, 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 this teaching that um, uh, seem to condone uh, violence of the samurai. Here he's saying that it was it was sort of more flexibility or an unabsolute nature of the precepts, which which is fair enough. Um, but I think of something that um, Robert Aiken wrote. The mind of the clover, he's talking about the precepts. And he's talking here, he's talking about the teaching of one um, Takuan, Takuan Soho Zenji. And these are instructions that he, he um, gave to, to Samurai, and this is just a snippet of it. The uplifted sword has no will of its own. It is all of emptiness. It is like a flash of lightning. The man who is about to be struck down is also of emptiness, as is the one who wields the sword. Do not get your mind stopped when the sword, with the sword you raise. Forget about what you're doing and strike the enemy. Do not keep your mind on the person before you. They are all of emptiness, but beware of your mind getting caught in emptiness sort of Zen, Zen speak here, but, but Aiken comments on this. The devil quotes scripture, scripture 
and Mara, the incarnation of ignorance, can quote the Abhidhamma. The fallacy of the way of the samurai is similar to the fallacy of the code of the crusader. Both distort what should be a universal view into an argument for partisan warfare. The Catholic charity of the Holy See did not include people it called pagans. The vow of Takuanzenji to save all beings did not encompass the one he called the enemy. I think um, various um, Zen teachers who have engaged in, um, in sexual misconduct have always have also used this same kind of um, uh, sophistry to justify the convenient and congenial as enlightened freedom. As I, as I mentioned, um, I think in a, in a, a Tay show, on the um, the pandemic, the what what we focus on in Zen is is freedom from the 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 poisons, not freedom to to do whatever we wish. It goes on um, to. Uh, talk a little bit about the three, the three schools, uh, Rinzai, Soto, and Obaku, and that um, the um, lines between these are not entirely solid, and that um, people can go for um, from training from one school to the other, and 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 um, adjust their methods accordingly. And this was the case, of course, with, with um, Harada Sogaku, who um, came up through the Soto tradition, but also trained with um, a Rinzai teacher. says about a koan, a kind of existential question, um, have done a great deal to popularize Zen. They have also led to misconceptions. It cannot be too strongly emphasized that Buddhist Zazen is not a technique to achieve something or get somewhere, to be followed like a recipe in a cookbook. It is also not a do-it-yourself psychotherapy, a tranquilizer, or a way to stimulate the creative unconscious. Many benefits, physical and psychological, are not unjustly attributed to regular practice, but if Zazen is only a mean to such ends, it is not Buddhist Zen and has many limitations. Again, we could say this is, this is case, the case that um, that it could be merely seen, it is merely in a kind of way, self-improvement. Um, but, but it's a good first step to, 
to come to Zen, we may come with that uh, motivation, then our motivation may mature. Soto Zen is a way of life in the same sense that some kinds of prayer are a way. Comparison of and attempts to evaluate different kinds of methods and teachers are of little value even to those with a certain amount of experience in meditation. They're, they're not valuable because they, they get us uh, hooked into the, the, the dis discriminating mind. A beginner should find a recognized teacher whom he or she can respect and who will accept them as a pupil. This teacher's method should be followed to the best of the pupil's ability. It is inevitable that in the beginning one will question the method more often than one questions oneself. However, shifting from one teacher or method to another, unless circumstances make this unavoidable, sometimes leads to dissolution and wasted energy. Disillusion and wasted energy. Zazen entered into as a kind of experiment is quite all right, but until this attitude is transcended, Buddhist Zazen is impossible. Actually, I think we should, um, that Zazen as a kind of experiment should be encouraged. Um, we need to experiment, we need to try different things. But then once we, we feel we've found our spiritual whole, home, then to um, stop our contrasting and comparing and, and just dedicate ourselves to the method that we've chosen. We have been asked by Christians and other non-Buddhists if Sazen meditation can be practiced by adherents of religions other than Buddhism. It is not necessary to be Buddhist to practice just quiet sitting, which is not done in a Buddhist frame of mind. However, for those Christians who are accustomed to pray to a personal divinity, we must strongly discourage them against mixing Sazen and prayer. The two can be complementary if the prayers involved are not for any personal benefits. However, during Zazen, all thought of an absolute other must be set aside. And I think many, many more um, spiritually sophisticated branches of Christianity would, would um, see prayer as, as being not just merely petitionary, but going, going beyond that. Uh, a turning towards the the um, the divine. Some Westerners object to the ritual attending the zazen of Buddhist groups. Zazen may, of course, be practiced without ritual and without prayer. In other words, only by regular sitting. One zazen experience, Buddhist or otherwise, eventually expresses itself in the individual's everyday life. Meditation for many is greatly aided by what one master calls chanting samadhi, particularly in the absence of a teacher's encouragement and correction. 
Chanting is a source of strength and it can also be a gentle reminder of the troublesome ego of the beginner who is likely to vacillate between protest and hopelessness. Um, he mentions here that, that can be, chanting can be especially helpful in the absence of a teacher. Um, we had a workshop over the weekend and I, I was saying at one point that um, chanting really, um, it connects us to a tradition, to the, to the, to the ancestors. And um, not just through chanting the ancestral line, but through chanting the same sutras and chants and dharani that um, have been chanted for um, generations and generations and generations of practitioners. Intensive zazen as a result of a natural koan that has arisen in one's life such as, such as what is the reason for injustice or suffering, for example, may be the source of much mental and even physical discomfort. Prayer is helpful for some, but for this, faith would seem to be necessary. Chanting a short sutra or mantra, on the other hand, may be done with any degree of skepticism, and perseverance is the only requirement. Um, is pointing here to the need to um, find the practice that is the right one for oneself. To pray involves faith. He he offers chanting as as um, um, something quite. Available, even with even to a skeptical person, just keeping on doing it being the only requirement, and being being uh, uh, transformed by that that chanting. Sometimes we may be we may be emotionally upset about something that 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 um, makes our usual practice, very hard to do, and taking up one of the simpler chants, like the, like the Kanongyo, or the Shosamyo um, Kichijodarani, can be very helpful. We can, we can if, we're, if we're motivated, get into chanting samadhi with this practice. In many cultures where Buddhism has been introduced, the philosophical and ethical aspects have been the first to find favor, and these have been the concern of a well-educated minority. In, this, in Japan, this phase was followed by the elaborate ritual of the Heian period. The Buddha himself tried all these things before his enlightenment, 
and he did not sit in real meditation until all other possibilities had been exhausted. Kamakura Japan saw many changes, cultural and social, and with these changes came a distaste for the often mechanical and idealized ritual which had so inspired the aristocrats of earlier periods. Ascetic moralism had come had become an empty and self-righteous formula. Let me try that one again. Ascetic moralism had become an empty and self-righteous formalism, and men who wished to a new and larger understanding of life were drawn to the simplicity and integrity of the way of the Chinese masters. Once Japanese Buddhist priests had known the Zen experience and Zen was firmly established, many of the elements of the older sects were reabsorbed, reaffirmed, and revitalized. Think here of Master Dogen. Um, if you look at his Shobogenzo, there are um, a number of texts that explore um, the deep meaning behind um, the forms in, to be found in, in Soto Zen. For instance, on, on um, the Heart Sutra or chanting in general, bowing, um, the, the wearing of a robe. Even, even detailed rules for um, the bathroom. Chanting and rituals were um, very much a part of, of the tradition that he um, initiated. In the lives of individuals who persevere in Zazen, those things which are right and best for them will acquire new meaning. The unessential and trivial will drop by the wayside. With or without a teacher, the process is always a very difficult one. It is natural for people to look for roots in tradition and convention, in skills and family, professional and communal relationships and functions. Zen realization does not negate these things, but they may be deeply questioned before and until their place in the cosmic scheme has been realized. Love, self-sacrifice, and generosity and natural expressions of Buddhist Satori, freed from egocentric and utopian ambitions, which often pray, create as many problems as they solve, those expressions are of depth and a kind of integrity. Zazen and everyday life become truly one after real insight has been awakened and a new relationship is established with the ground of being and with all beings. Well, I think this is a, this is a good place for us to um, stop. So we'll, we'll finish up here with um, the 4,000, continue the rest of this article at another time. All beings without number, I vow to liberate 
Endless blind passions I vow to uproot Dharma gates beyond measure I vow to penetrate the great way of Buddha I vow to attain all beings without number I vow to liberate endless blind passions. I vow to uproot dharma gates beyond measure. I vow to penetrate the great way of Buddha. I vow to attain all beings without number I vow to liberate endless blind passions I vow to uproot dharma gates beyond measure I vow to penetrate the great way of Buddha I vowed to take.